Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Some of the historical events we cover on Retropod are moments that have been lost to time, forgotten both in details and in importance. And then there are the events that stick with us as constant reminders of what history can teach us. This is one of those. This is the story of the Saturday Night Massacre. In 1972, five members of a committee to re-elect President Richard Nixon had been caught breaking into the Democratic National Committee's offices at the Watergate Hotel. The next year, a man named Archibald Cox was appointed as a special prosecutor to investigate the incident and determine whether the president had been involved. In July, Cox issued a subpoena for secret recordings the president had made of his Oval Office conversations. Nixon refused. He invoked executive privilege to keep the tapes private until finally, months later, the U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that Nixon had to comply. By then, the rift between Nixon and the Justice Department had grown, and it was clear the president wanted Cox gone. And Nixon still didn't want to turn over the tapes. Why? Because they implicated him in a vast cover-up. A few days after the ruling, Nixon tried to broker a deal. He said he would not turn over all the tapes, but instead would submit a summary of what was in the parts of the tapes related to Watergate. A Democratic senator would then listen to the tapes verifying Nixon's account. Cox's answer? Nope. In a statement published in newspapers on October 19, 1973, Nixon blamed Cox for not accepting his proposal. He called it a reasonable compromise and ordered Cox to make no further attempts to obtain information on his conversations. In response, Cox vowed to continue pursuing the tape recordings. But Nixon had another more drastic plan to stop Cox from getting the tapes, and he put it into action the very next day. That day, a Saturday, Attorney General Elliot Richardson was summoned to the White House. Back at the Justice Department, the Deputy Attorney General and three aides huddled in Richardson's office. They knew why Richardson was being called to the White House. He was the only one with the authority to fire Cox. Richardson went to the meeting. When he got back, he confirmed their suspicions. The president had ordered him to remove Cox. He refused. Richardson was prepared to resign as attorney general instead. Then the phone rang. It was White House Chief of Staff Alexander Haig calling Deputy Attorney General William Ruckelshaus. Richardson would not fire Cox. It was now his responsibility to do so. Ruckelshaus refused, and just like Richardson, he drafted a resignation letter. Next in line with firing authority was U.S. Solicitor General Robert Bork. He followed Nixon's orders and agreed to fire Cox. Nixon won. The special prosecutor was gone. But the outcry was swift and loud. 
The unprecedented shakeup at the Justice Department became known as the Saturday Night Massacre, and it triggered a public and political backlash that accelerated Nixon's eventual downfall. That fateful Saturday night, after it was all over, Cox delivered a statement on national TV. He told the country, whether ours shall continue to be a government of laws and not of men is now for Congress and ultimately the American people. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Amy Wang for reporting this story for The Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.